kids have ever heard the phrase, trust the process? Anybody in sports, especially, ever hear, trust the process? Uh, when I hear that, I think of the sports I played. I also think of, like, the karate kid, right, doing things that don't make sense, and it ends up helping him in the last match, right? Anybody ever seen Karate Kid? Wax on, wax off. Uh, my favorite quoting of that was actually in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, but uh, anyway, that's nerd, nerd level 8,000. Um, but trusting the plan is most commonly used in sports because you do the work, you do things that don't seem like they're going to apply, and then all of a sudden it all makes sense in the end, right? But that actually also applies to our lives, trusting the process, that God is working in our lives on a daily basis, and oftentimes we can't see it because we have this very narrow view of what it looks like. Uh, we don't have the 10,000-foot view. We've got the one-centimeter view because it's right in front of us, and that's all what we can deal with. So to kick off the new year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you today where I'm at, and so this is a really personal message. Uh, this is born out of, of what I'm dealing with and struggling through and what God's doing in my life, uh, and I'm choosing to trust the process, and I want you to choose to trust the process with me. Uh, as many of you know, and maybe some of you haven't, if you've not been here, uh, a few weeks ago we found out that uh, JD is not coming to be our pastor, and that was no fun. That was unexpected. That wasn't what we thought God was leading us to do. That's not what we had in store, and that's certainly not what I had planned. Uh, I'm going to be really honest with you. I was really looking forward to having a lead pastor here so I could be like, here you go. I hope I did good. You know, like that's... That's what I was hoping for, but that's not what happened. And here we are on the other side, and now I've been asked to step into a role and be the interim lead pastor, and that's not what I expected. And I'll share a little bit of my story in a minute, but I've been wrestling with three questions. And they're questions I think we all wrestle with in our, in our faith journey with God. And the first one is this, uh, what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? The second one is this, what do you do when you don't know where God is leading you. And the final one that I've been wrestling with is what do you do when God changes your plans? Because that's what just happened to us corporately, right? God changed our plans. These are questions at different times in my life I've had to wrestle with and work my way through, and I'm in the middle of doing that again. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and we find ourselves there. So a little bit about my story is I've had to ask, ask myself these questions over and over again. Uh, but it all stems from a certain moment in my life. And that moment was actually at Iowa Youth Convention when I was in junior high. I don't remember exactly what year it was. Uh, but we take our kids to Momentum. That's Illinois Youth Convention. And there's two to 3,000 students there. Iowa's a little bit smaller. But there's still well over 1,000 kids there. It was awesome. And uh, I was down in front at the mosh pit area because everybody knows that's the best place to be during a worship session. And when you're a pastor's kid, that's especially the coolest place to be because you're with your people right up at the front because you're always the weird kid. Anyway, you have to know PKs to get that. Anyway, uh, I was down there at the front and I was worshiping and we were having a great time. And I was down front and the evangelist on the stage asked everybody to close their eyes and pray and let God speak to them. And in that moment is one of the few times in my life that I know that I know that I know that God spoke to me very specifically. Some of you have had those moments where you just, you just know. There's no other explanation. And I was down there. God told me to open my eyes. Okay, God, I opened my eyes and, uh, and look around. So I looked around and I saw the kids praying, hands raised, crying, you know, all the emotion that goes into it. And then he told me to look at the stage. And I looked at the stage and God spoke in that moment. And he said, someday that will be you. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, like, what else do you say, right? Like, 
And I said, okay, great. And so since that moment, I've known that I've been called to minister to young people. That that's what God has been leading me towards. I struggled with it in high school. I went through a two-year phase where I was rejecting God's calling on my life. And I compromised with him and said, I'll be a band teacher instead. uh, Because that's what I love. I love music and I loved band and choir and all of those things. And I was like, God, I can, I can do this and still invest in students. Because it's true, you can still invest in students in that way. But that's not the call that God had on my life. I ended up going to college and I, I, I have a degree in youth ministry. Completely not applicable anywhere else except in a church, by the way, uh, which I would change if I went back and did it again. But I have a degree in youth ministry. And uh, I, I was serving in a youth group in Minnesota at a church that my wife and I loved and were uh, deeply involved in the youth ministry. And then they asked me and Jody to be the children's pastors. Did I mention my degree is in youth ministry, not children's ministry? Uh, actually, it was to the point where Jody and I had never stepped foot in the kids' ministry areas at our church, and we'd been going there for five years. Uh, we laughed at them as we walked by because those were the weird people working in kids' ministry. <laughs> Right, And then on Wednesday nights after youth group, we would race out the door so we didn't have to lock up before anybody else laughing at the kids' people because they were still in there talking with everybody. And uh, our pastor pulled us aside and asked us to do kids' ministry, and we laughed. And I said, literally, I'm like, you know my degree's in youth ministry, right? And he said, I know, but I think you should think about it and pray about it. And I'd ask myself those three questions because that was a giant curveball in my life. I've been called to work with teenagers. I know that... You know, I had that moment on, at, at youth convention. You know, you're going to be the guy on the stage. Like, you know, that's it. But all through it, I asked myself those questions and determined that I needed to trust the process and step out in faith and go the direction God had been leading me to. And we stepped into kids' ministry and literally had no idea what to do, by the way. We had no kids. We'd never been in there. We didn't know how anything worked. And we stepped into kids' ministry. We did that for five years and uh, secretly loved it. No, we really loved it. It wasn't secret. And we did that, and we had to trust the process. And there are often times in our lives where we don't understand why things happen the way they do. But when we trust the process, and we trust the one who has the process in place, we can later look back and see how God starts putting pieces together. Because now I look back and I see that was 11 years ago, and God was already beginning a process to bring me and Jody here. Uh, Some of you are newer to the church since Jody and I got here, and some of you have been here far before us, but we were hired to do youth and kids, not to just be the youth pastor or just be the kids pastor, but to do both. And now, of course, I can look back and say, oh, that's why, God. That's why you had us step into kids ministry, because that was part of your plan for our lives. And then we've been doing that faithfully, and then about three weeks ago, I was asked to step into lead pastor. And uh, let me tell you something. If you haven't had a conversation with me about lead pastoring, uh, you don't know. But if you have had a conversation with me about lead pastoring, my answer has always been no. Has always been no. And again, I've had to sit through these three questions. When Ray left, when JD said no, and I, what do I do when I don't know what to do? Because I didn't. What do I do where I don't know God is leading me to? I, what do I do when God changes my plans? Because stepping into lead pastor, even for a season, is not what I had planned out for my life. I love working with students. I love, uh, I love their craziness. Like I, I love it. And then now I'm, I'm, I'm here in this season, and it's so different. And it's been two weeks, just by the way. So, you know, 
We've conquered a lot, though. First Christmas Day broadcast, first Christmas Eve services. You know, it's, it's, it's been a season of growing and trusting the process that God has uh, going on in my life. Now, I'm like, God, but what about that vision you gave me? And I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Trusting the process is about having faith and digging deep and just stepping out with action behind what we feel God is leading us to do. And uh, when I read scripture, I see a story that just cries out to me, and that's the story of Joseph. And we're going to talk about a story in a minute, but before I do that, uh, I want to ask you guys a question. Do you guys remember the Choose Your Own Adventure books? Anybody remember those? Those were big like a long time ago when, you know, we were young. And uh, I love them. If you don't know what they were, they were, uh, it was a book and there were multiple paths to multiple endings. You chose your own adventure. It could be anything from space adventures to time traveling to medieval times. Like it was everything, under the sea, whatever. Uh, Now let's just be real for a minute. How many of you would peek ahead to find out what the endings were so you could figure out how to get there? Or... I didn't do that, but this is what I did do. When I would see the two choices on the page, because you'd read the story and then at the bottom it'd say, if you choose to go left, go to page 37. If you choose to go right, go to page 50. I would go to both pages and figure out what was next to make sure I didn't die in the story, right? (laughs) Okay, I bring that up because it's something we can relate to because we like to have control over our futures and determine how we get to where we want to go. But life doesn't actually work like that. Because oftentimes, we don't know where we're going. We're just acting in faith. And other times, we know where we're going, and it has twists and turns, and it's unbelievable how we get from point A to point B, and we find out that it's not really point A and point B, it's point A and point Z. And there's been all these other things happening in the in-between. That's what happened in Joseph's life. So uh, I'm not going to read Joseph's story to you because it's like 20 chapters in Genesis, but I'm going to summarize it for you if you've never heard it before. Uh, Joseph uh, was, a, was a boy when his story starts, and he was dad's favorite son of many sons. Uh, do any of you have a, you know that like your sibling is the favorite sibling in the family? If you have siblings? <laughs> well, a few of you, a few of you are like, yep. Uh, I challenge you that maybe if you don't know who it is, it might be you, but that's a different story. <laughs> All right. Here's the difference, though. Joseph had many brothers, and every single one of them knew that he was dad's favorite. It was not a secret. Dad openly favored Joseph. In fact, gave him a coat of many colors, or if you're a musical fan, a Technicolor coat, right? Technicolor dream coat, I guess, if I'm going to be really, really real with that. Gave him a coat, and in the, while he was a young boy, Joseph had these crazy dreams about, uh, about grain bowing down to him and the stars and the sun and the moon bowing down to him. And God gave him this meaning. And the meaning was that someday his brothers and mom and dad were going to bow down to him, which is, uh, let's be honest, that's pretty heady stuff for a, for a young man, right? Like probably a boy or a teenager at best. And uh, because he was a young man, he told his brothers. And uh, I just imagine, because I was a teenage boy at one time, I know that he didn't, he wasn't like, hey man, God gave me this dream and I just want you to know. It was like, hey guys, guess what's up for you later? (laughs) That's right. You're going to bow to me. And uh, due to that and due to uh, the way that their dad treated him, his brothers hated him. And not just hated him, but like hated him. Uh, I was telling the students this story on Wednesday night. And uh, I said, I know that you guys say you hate your siblings, but I highly doubt that you've gotten to the point where you plotted their murder and were willing to act out on it because that's what happened to Joseph's life. 
Joseph's brothers got so fed up with him that they set out to murder him. And one of them finally got his cool and said, no, 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 let's throw him in this cave and uh, secretly planned to come back. But while he was gone, uh, Joseph was taken into slavery and carted hundreds of miles away to the kingdom of Egypt where he was a slave in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar was a high-ranking official in Pharaoh's court. And while there, uh, Joseph began to learn and grow and, and do some things. And he became the head of of Potiphar's house. Like everything that Potiphar would do, he had authority to do. Uh, it was incredible. He ran the house and the Bible talks about how Potiphar had no worries because of how good Joseph was until one day Potiphar's wife accused Joseph of rape and he was thrown in prison. And it was falsely accused, by the way. And he's thrown in prison and he's set in the prison and it, I, I don't know how prisons exactly work at that moment, uh, but he was in prison and he was so good at running the prison, the guards put him in charge and the, the Bible says they had no worries about what happened in prison. And while he was there, his friends started having dreams and he was able to tell them what they meant and one of them, it was a really good thing and the other one, it was not a good thing and he was going to be executed for his crimes and uh, to the one, it was a good thing. He said, hey, just don't forget about me when you're gone. And sure enough, the one, the one man was executed and the other was uh, given back his position of power and promptly forgot about Joseph, who then proceeded to rot in prison for some time longer until Pharaoh had some dreams that were crazy. By the way, if you ever read dreams in the Bible, they're always like crazy. Uh, they're really weird. <laughs> this one's about like good grain being swallowed up by bad grain. And the other dream was uh, really fat, healthy cows being swallowed up by skinny Uh, starving cows, and it was just really weird. But Joseph knew what it meant. So this man calls for Joseph. Joseph comes up, tells Pharaoh what to do, and then takes it a step further, and he says, the wise man would do this. And what it meant was seven good years of harvest and then seven really bad years of famine and drought. And Joseph says, if you're smart, you'll save up grain for those seven bad years. And Joseph is put into this position of power to where now he is second in command of all of Egypt, which Egypt was the superpower of the day. And sure enough, the seven years come, and they're really good. Lots of grain. Joseph stores it up. And then after seven years, the seven really poor years come. And there's no food anywhere. Nothing grows. The animals are starting to die, and there's nothing. And who waltzes in to Joseph's house at that moment except for his brothers who bow before him and ask for food for their families? Can you imagine in that moment if you're Joseph for just a minute? Maybe this is the real like human side of me, but Joseph inside was going, yes. You know, like like doing a little happy dance or something inside because God promised him this moment decades ago at this point, right? God gave him this vision and it was going to happen and it took years and years and years and hardship and, and difficulties and being forgotten and sold and abused and accused and all of those different things. And in that moment, I have to believe Joseph was doing a happy dance inside like, this is it. This is what's going to happen. And this is, this is what you told me was going to happen. I'm so excited. And through all of this, Joseph is able to save not only his family, but the entire people of Israel. Can you imagine that? God's vision for his life was so much greater than just his brothers and family bowing before him. It was meant to save entire peoples. And Joseph's life shows me that life doesn't always happen the way that you imagine it will be. Because if you told uh, teenage Joseph 
that someday he'd be second in command to Pharaoh and his brothers would bow to him, I think he'd probably laugh at you a little bit. But if you told adult or asked adult Joseph about it, he'd be saying, no, God was in this from the beginning. I just trusted his process. And today, that's what I feel like God is leading us towards. In this time of transition, again, we need to trust the process that God has for our church and for us individually. And I want to encourage you before I jump into to some, some points I see in Joseph's life with this is that three months ago when I preached the first message after Ray left, I laid out some things that I felt God was leading us to, that we would grow during transition. Do you guys know we've grown over the last six weeks, eight weeks? That we would give more to missions than we ever have. On December 31st, I asked our accountant to, to empty our BGMC, which is our kids' missions giving program, and our Speed the Light accounts, which is our teenage missions giving program. And she sent off three checks, uh, almost $6,000 for BGMC, and another $1,300 for Speed the Light, which doesn't sound like much, but in November, we gave a $10,000 check for, BGM, or for Speed the Light. So in the, last, in the last three months, I want you to hear something. We... We've given almost $18,000 just to boys and girls and teenage missions giving organizations. Yeah, give it up. And that's all of us. That's a team effort. That's not just the teenagers. That's not just the kids. That's not just us as staff or deacons. That's a whole church and trusting that God has a plan and a purpose during this time of transition. And we just need to trust the process. So today, I see four things in Joseph's life that we can apply to our lives, and we can struggle through just like he did. And I see this, number one, God will give us a vision, but it rarely occurs the way we envision it happening. It rarely occurs the way we envision it happening. God gave Joseph a powerful vision, but I promise you, that was not at all how he drew it up. With pain and suffering and separation and being forgotten time and time again. And I think we can all relate with the idea of things not working out the way we have planned, right? You might have been sitting somewhere as a, as a young person saying, this is exactly what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it. And you might be in a completely different field or it might have taken you a lot longer to get where you want to be. Uh, and you look back and that's like, that's not how I drew it up. And I don't know about you, but like, I'm not a good organizer, but I do have a plan, right? And maybe you can relate with that. But are there any of you out there that relate with me on this? Like you have a plan and if it doesn't go exactly how you have it planned, you get a little frustrated and maybe secretly a little bit angry. Anybody? Okay, thank you. I just wanted to not feel alone in this moment. But things rarely work out exactly the way that we've planned them to be. Instead, we're left with this idea of trusting the process and having faith in Jesus to lead us to where he wants us to go. Paul references this in Philippians 1 verses 4 through 6. He says this, In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That scripture is about trusting a process, by the way. We won't see completion until Jesus comes again or we die and meet him someday. It, our lives are a series of trusting the process and steps of faith and doing what God's asked us to do. And sometimes that means going places we never thought we'd go and doing things we never thought we'd do. Yet somehow God 
uses that to prepare us for what he has in store for us. I never thought I'd be a kid's pastor, but that's prepared me for this moment. I never thought I'd be a lead pastor, and I'm, I'm guessing God's preparing me for something else too. And I'm just trusting the process. The second thing I see in Joseph's story is this, that God gives us a vision, but others will try and discourage us from that vision. If this sounds familiar, this is because uh, I preached a similar message, but that's just where I'm at, right? Like, this is what I'm going through. There will always be haters. There will always be people who tell us we're not good enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not kind enough, we're not strong enough, we're not rich enough, we're not whatever enough. But our true value is found in Jesus and pursuing the plan that he has for us. And people will discourage us. That's part of life. And anymore, it's accessible everywhere and all the time. If you have a social media profile, people can contact you at any moment. You could be having the best day and someone just sends you that message and you just want to throw your device. Or you read something that happened and you just get angry. Like, it it happens so quickly now, but it's so easy for people to anonymously discourage us. Because they don't have to tell it to your face anymore, right? Like, we can do it through a screen. But it hurts just the same. And the whole ridiculous saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I feel like that's such a lie, but even more so now, especially with with contact texting and uh, social media and all those things, because we read those words and they hurt just as bad as if somebody said them to us. I don't know if you're like me, but I like read into every word that somebody writes to me. Maybe that's a really millennial thing, but like even before I send a message, I'll read it and make sure that there's, there's no way somebody could perceive it differently than I meant it. But others will try to discourage us from pursuing what God has in store for us. Uh, Joseph's brothers hated on him. They hated him. And they, they didn't want to see that vision happen. That's why they took the actions they did. And it's terrible. And that's like a really, really extreme example, right? But in our lives, we know people say bad things about us. In the workplace, we, we encounter it all the time. People will say things, bad things about you so that you don't get the promotion they do. They'll try to put you down so they get recognized and you don't. They might even try to do things that get you punished for something you didn't do. Maybe we've done those things. But there will always be discouragement around us. There will always be people that try to bring us down. And if we are being discouraged and we're being mocked and we're being hurt, we're in good company. Noah was mocked all the years it took to build the ark. Abraham was mocked time and time again. Jesus was mocked and beaten. Paul was beaten for his beliefs. Yet every single one of those people pursued the vision that God had given them. I mean, I could talk about Abraham for a while, but he literally just left because God said to go. I mean, there's a reason he's the highlight of, of, in Hebrews of living by faith, right? Because God said, go to the land I will show you, which is like no promise whatsoever, right? <laughs> like, just go, okay, God. Uh, most of us wouldn't do that, right? But Abraham did. So God gives us a vision, but others will try to discourage it. The third thing is, is, is like it, but it's a little bit different. God will give us a vision, but obstacles will try and stop us. People can be obstacles, but there, there are sometimes things that just happen in life, and they try to slow our roll, or sometimes they completely stop us. And those obstacles can be so many different things. It could be, uh, it could be a car breaking down. It could be a company dissolving or being absorbed in a way that you never expected it and suddenly you're out of a job. 
It could be so many different things that are outside of our control, but God still has a plan. Joseph understood this better than anyone else because his brothers said terrible things, but then all of these obstacles happened in his life that kept him from fulfilling that vision that he thought God had in store for him, that God spoke to him, right? Sold into slavery, forgotten, accused of rape, all those different things. That was nothing he could control about that, right? That was, that was circumstance and people and different things that he couldn't do anything about. It really brings to mind James 1 verses two through four that say this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I talked about joy during the Christmas series, right? Joy is a choice, uh, but I don't know about you, but when I'm facing trials and, uh, and just bad things happening in my life, joy is not my first go-to option. It's pretty far down on the list and I have to dig deep to, to find it. But joy is not found in my happiness. Joy is found in Jesus, but That was a different sermon a couple weeks ago. You can listen to that one on the podcast, right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be made made mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That screams process to me, right? In practices, right? In sports or, or music or drama or different things, there's... There's a lot of pain and suffering that goes on in those things. Maybe it's running the same play over and over and over again. It's that scene in, in the movie Miracle, right, about the Miracle on Ice where they're running suicides nonstop until they got the result that they wanted and guys are puking everywhere and it's just chaos. There's a lot of trial that happens, but that testing of faith brings perseverance. We, look, we can look in our, our real-world examples. We don't even have to look at scriptures to see how this happens. We can look at people like Dr. Seuss who were rejected time and time and time and time again before finally getting their big break. That's perseverance, right? J.K. Rowling was famously rejected 12 times for Harry Potter, which is now the, the number one selling book series of all time and made all these different movies, and it's crazy. Steve Jobs ended up being fired from his own company. Imagine that bad day, by the way. The company you started in your garage just fired you. Good times. And Ben Franklin famously quipped, I didn't fail the test. I just found a hundred ways to do it wrong when he was trying to create the light bulb. Life is a series of failures. Life is a series of terrible circumstance that can either bring out the good in us and let the cream rise to the top or it can defeat us. Are we going to see obstacle or are we going to see opportunity? I challenged you with that three months ago, that first Sunday. Some may see obstacle, but we should see opportunity. And I still believe that, church. That for whatever reason, God has ordained our steps in this way and we have to trust the process and move out in faith in the direction that God's leading us. I see opportunity, not obstacle. I was reading in a prayer journal, uh, Mark Batterson's All In 40-Day Prayer Journey. I've read through it a couple of times, and every time I read it, there's just another line that just catches me a little bit differently, uh, and it's got to be the Holy Spirit speaking to me. But uh, Mark Batterson said this, and uh, it was talking about a time when he was planting his church in Washington, D.C., and he said, I felt underqualified and overwhelmed, which put me right where God wanted me. And during this season, church, I'm just going to be real with you, that's how I feel in this moment. I'm a youth and kids pastor, not a lead pastor. I feel underqualified and overwhelmed. But it's right where God wants me because I'm trusting the process. 
Mark Batterson goes on to say this. It is how we learn to live in raw dependence. And raw dependence is the material out of which God performs his greatest miracles. Fully relying on God. Trusting him. Trusting the process he has in store for our lives. Whether or not we know what the end destination looks like is actually irrelevant. We need to trust the process that God's laid out for us and step forward in faith. The final thing I think we see in Joseph's life is this, is that God gives us a vision and it will all occur how he desires it to. Again, if you think about it, there's no way that Joseph ever imagined his life would turn out like that. No way. Impossible. But God did. And God had a reason for every single stop along Joseph's way. Somewhere in there, Joseph knew how to be a good steward. He learned that. Somewhere along the way, Joseph understood wisdom. Somewhere along the way, Joseph learned how to be, uh, to be a servant and to be humble. And he understood that God had a plan for him. In fact, in Genesis chapter 50, Joseph sums up this whole thing and he's talking to his family. He says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, which is the saving of many lives. As an older man, he understood what God was doing then. But in the moment, not a chance. And in our lives in the moment, there's very little chance we understand what God's beginning to do in our hearts. And he's teaching us along the way. And along my journey, I've had lots of different things I've had to learn. Some have come easy. Some have been from watching other people's mistakes. And some have been from my very own mistakes. But I can look back now and I can see how I got here. But I don't know where I'm going. If you remember back to the, the vision that God gave me, and it, I really think it was a, like a vision, not like weird vision, but just a vision of what God had for me. But being on that stage in front of all those students, uh, I have a picture on my desk now that one of my students took of me in November at our youth convention, standing up there and speaking and praying over 2,000 students. And I don't say that to toot my own horn, but I want to say that because now I'm, I'm left struggling with the idea, did God fulfill that vision that I had 20 years ago in my life in that moment? And I think so, but is that the end? I don't know. What's next? I don't know. But it just hit me. 20 years in the making led to that moment. And it's not about me, but it's about that God orchestrated my steps to get me where he told me I was going. And that's challenging Isaiah tells us this in Isaiah chapter 55. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We have to trust the process, church. God has a plan. He didn't give me the, the, the words of vision for our church about growing and giving and, and being a light in our community for nothing. It's to accomplish the purpose he set us for in this moment, in this place, at this time. In our lives, we have to believe the same thing. We have to Pursue what God has for us and trust the process he's leading us through because we never know what bad thing happened that has prepared us for something else in the future. 
We never know what great success has prepared us for something else in the future either. It's all part of the process. And like I said earlier, we think it should be point A to point B, and instead it's point A to point Z3. And your and your like line looks like the squiggly, wobbly steps up, steps back, sidesteps. We make mistakes, things happen, and somehow God forms that all into his plan for our lives to accomplish the goal he set forward. So as I close here, I just want to encourage you. There are those of us here that know what God has in store for us. And I applaud you because there's, the rest of us are still wondering what God really has planned for us. And I say that facetiously and I also say that very truthfully. If you know for sure where God is leading you, that's awesome. I want to challenge you with understanding that it won't get you there like you think it's going to get you there. It will be a twist and, and turn filled journey. For the rest of us who are wondering what God has in store for us and wondering where we're going, we have to trust the process. We have to take one step at a time. And it sounds so simple. It sounds so basic, but that's the reality of our situation. When we live by faith, it's one step at a time. One step at a time, one foot in front of the other, just following what we feel like God's doing. And how do you do that? How do you know what God's asking you to do? You try. You can't just sit still and fulfill what God's asking you to do. You have to try. And that means sometimes you'll make mistakes. And I want to give you freedom to do that because it's okay. How do you learn to hear God better? You, you obey. And if you find out it wasn't him, you know that that wasn't him and you can learn from that. If you step out and do the things that God has asked you to do and it was him, then you're like, okay, that's, that's what it feels like. That's what it sounds like. That's how it works. And you let God guide you and move you. And you find out pretty soon you can start to hear God and, and follow his lead a lot easier. It's not always going to be easy. I'm not promising you that. But you can start to discern the will of God a little bit easier every time you step out and try. So don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to step out and succeed. For some of us, the idea of succeeding is a barrier. Because we're afraid of what could happen if we do. And maybe there are those of us in here who are stuck by either obstacle or disappointment or people's words. I want to challenge you to, to live by faith in Christ and not faith in circumstance or what people are saying about you. Be who God created you to be and do what God created you to do. And that is empowering because that's our identity in Christ. That's where we find it. That's how we learn and we grow. And if we can do that, we'll end up where God wants us. And it won't look like the way we wanted it to. It won't be the way we thought it would be. And maybe you'll be doing something you never thought you'd be doing. A lot of my ministry friends, never in a million years thought they would ever be in, in ministry pastoring somewhere. A lot of my missionary friends, the same thing. They didn't know they were called to be a missionary until much later in their life. So dur during this two weeks of prayer and fasting, maybe God will speak to you about something he's leading you towards. And it might not look anything like you're doing right now. And you know what? That's great. And maybe he'll speak to you during this time and it's exactly what you're doing. Keep trusting the process and moving the way God asks you to. And that's how we grow our faith and that's how we move forward and that's how we become everything that God wants us to be. So would you guys stand with me as I close? I want to leave you with a challenge. It's January, right? We can be challenged because that's kind of what we're expecting. Many of us have set New Year's resolutions, Maybe, like I've said in previous years, we've gotten smart and we just call them goals instead of resolutions.